This talk is called The Virtue of Poverty. It was given by Lourdes Pinto to the Love Crucified community on February 11 of 2021. We consecrate this teaching tonight on the virtue of poverty to our Most Holy Mother, Our Lady of Lords, on this, her holy feast day. So, my beautiful family, what I'm seeing here is that this is the beginning of what I see coming about as a Lenten retreat for our community. So tonight I'm going to to begin, and this is the preparation to bring us into Lent next week, and we will continue throughout the weeks on especially growing on the virtue of poverty. In the Simple Path, on page 204, number 66, at the end of that message, there is this one sentence. The Lord said, poverty brings forth chastity and chastity brings forth obedience, which is the essence of love. So meditate that. So we're going to begin growing and understanding the virtue of poverty. Recently in January, our Lord said this in my heart. My ways are not the ways of the world. Meditate on my life and the life of the Holy Family. We were rich in the graces of Ava, our Father, but always poor in the things of this world. You cannot aspire in your hearts for both. That is why to follow me, you must leave everything. You must aspire to be poor in the world and rich in virtue. So let us go and meditate together. Luke chapter 12 and it's verses 13 to 21 which is the parable of the rich fool. And here, the Lord says to us, take heed and beware of all covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then the Lord continues to tell the story, the parable of the rich man, who builds a larger barn to store the abundance of crops. And he feels real secure because he has all this abundance stored up in his barns. And at the end of that parable, verse 21, the Lord says this. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. At the end of that parable, 
he says about this rich man, you fool, because his life was being called. So it was like, what was all that storing up worth at the end? So let's meditate a little bit on this, because as we grow in the virtue of poverty, it's not so much what we've stored up, but it's connected always to what actually is within our hearts. Let me give you an example. Right before our meeting tonight, our cynical tonight, I was reading this beautiful story of St. Alphonsus Liguori. And it was so providential that I read this right before the Seneca. So what happens is in the years 1763 to 1764, there was a horrible famine in Italy. St. Alphonsus knew beforehand that the famine, that the Lord was going to send a famine as a time of tribulation for the people because they had gone and moved very far away from God. I have to tell you, as I was reading this story, it sounded so familiar to, to what we're living now. So what did um, St. Alphonsus do? He was bishop. He started to warn the people in advance, prophesying. And he said, beware, you who live only for sensual, voluptuous pleasure. God will punish you by famine. And in different preachings, he actually preached and warned his people. Now, this was a true shepherd to repent and to turn their eyes and heart to God. But it says that the people were living in abundance and no one paid any attention to Alphonsus's words. So, yes, the famine came. And as I was reading the details of the famine, it was horrible. But what was very interesting to me is that St. Alphonsus, foreseeing that the famine was coming, guess what he did? He stored up provisions in his lofts. He did the same thing as the parable of the rich young man, but now you're going to see the difference in the heart. He filled up his loft with all kinds of things, especially food. So when the famine hit, people were starving. People that lived in abundance found themselves starving to death. It said that in one year, just in that area of Italy, 300,000 people died. So when the famine came, St. Alphonsus opened up his lofts and started to give away all his provisions, all his food to the starving people. He gave everything until there was no more food left. Then he sold his watch. He sold his carriage. He sold his horse. His staff was saying, you're the bishop. 
you can't give away and sell everything. A man of your stature needs these things. And he said, absolutely not. He himself would eat daily a little bit of soup, it said, and a little bit of boiled meat so that the rest could be given to the people that were starving. Here you see two different souls, the one in the parable that was storing up, but for himself, his heart was not, did not live to desire God. St. Alphonsus, on the other hand, is the opposite. His heart was first and foremost seeking God and seeking to be rich in virtue. So I thought of these times. There are many that have listened like us to the prophecies that are aware of the times we've entered and that are also storing up provisions. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. Yet, am I detached enough that I am willing for whatever I have stored up to share, if need be, and give away to whoever is in need during that time? Is my heart and your heart grown in love and in charity that I am willing to sacrifice myself to help and give myself and whatever I have to others solely for love? That's the difference. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says this. In number 2547, the Lord grieves over the rich because they find their consolation in the abundance of goods. Let the proud seek and love earthly kingdoms, but blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Abandonment to the providence of the Father in heaven frees us from anxiety about tomorrow. Trust in God is a preparation for the blessedness of the poor. They shall see God. I thought that was really beautiful because as I went back and listened to the teaching we had on poverty and the rich young man back in 2018 that I sent to all of you, I saw that the focus very much of that reflection on poverty was trust. And I thought it was so beautiful how the Holy Spirit has been forming, making us rich in virtues of humility of faith, of purity. And now the Holy Spirit brings us back to poverty. And I want to focus on 
poverty again, but this time in the sacred heart of Jesus, in the desires of our hearts. If we continue in chapter 12 of Luke, verses 29 through 31, but it actually starts in verse 22. It's all about anxiety and fear. And the Lord says, at the end of verse 28, he begins by saying, O men of little faith, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink nor be of anxious mind. Then he goes on to say, your father knows that you need these things. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things shall be yours as well. To grow in poverty means that more and more the desires of our heart primarily is seeking God, aspiring to union with God, aspiring to be rich in virtue, not the things of the world. That is true growth in poverty. And then he goes on to say in verse 33, sell your possessions and give alms. Provide yourselves with purses that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We cannot grow in true poverty if we just think of it as giving alms. If somebody gives alms, helps a mission in Africa, that's wonderful, helps orphans, helps a convent, helps the prisoners. Those are all wonderful and important. Yet there's a danger because it's so easy for us humans to feel good about ourselves. It's like a little checklist with God. Oh, look at all the good things I've done. If I do all those things and I am not dying to self, dying in, to my ego, dying to my disordered desires, there is a lack of purity even in my almsgiving. There is still a lot of self. Therefore, it is not the depth of the growth in the virtue of poverty. In the Gospels, we see in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, two women that are actually wealthy. It says, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. These were wealthy people that were disciples of Christ. These women traveled with the Lord. They financially supported Jesus Christ's mission on earth. So it's not so much 
giving, you know, being left with nothing. That's not what the Lord is saying. Now, on the other hand, in Luke eleven forty two, Jesus reprimands the Pharisees. He says to them, woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You see, it has to be both. They were tithing, but it was more by the law, like Father Jordy was just speaking to the men about. Whereas within their hearts, they lacked love. They were full of pride and arrogance. Saint Jose Maria Escriva, years ago, they'd had an interview on the virtue of poverty. And he said this, he said, true poverty should be an expression of faith in God and a sign that the heart is not satisfied with created things and aspires to the creator, that it wants to be filled with love of God so as to be able to give this same love to everyone. So let's focus tonight on the desires of the heart as our means for growth in poverty. I sent you all a teaching from our Lord from 2018 called the Mission of the Twelve. And we're going to focus throughout these weeks of Lent specifically on that teaching from the Lord to our to us and to the church. Tonight, I'm going to focus from that message from the Lord. I'm going to focus on just two sentences. And these are the word sentences. It's in the first paragraph. A victim soul must fix his eyes on Christ, must desire with all his being to become one with his master, must be willing to learn from him and imitate him. He must be willing to fight against all his disordered desires. So here's one question for, for this week entering into Lent. Do I truly desire with all my being to become one with my master, one with love crucified? And what other desires are in my heart that get in the way of this first desire? My community, it is so easy for us to deceive ourselves. So easy to say, oh, I'm not attached to the things of the world. <laughs> the other day, I started to make a list. What I'm asking you to do, I've, I'm already doing it. I started to write all the desires of my heart. And there's a lot of good desires. But I'm also attached to comforts. I started to think I really like my pillow and I really like my my comfortable mattress and and just all of these things. 
I mean, I had to be so honest and laugh with myself and the Lord. So it's beautiful when we can laugh at ourselves and we can be transparent and unveiled before our beloved Jesus Christ, because then he can do wonders with us. He loves it. I mean, I was speaking to someone in accompaniment today, and she was so real, so transparent. And she was telling me some really deep things. And I just like, at afterwards, I just, I wanted to hug her. Because it was so refreshing for my soul to hear somebody so real and so transparent and so honest. And I just looked at her and I said, if I love you so much because of your transparency, I can only imagine our Blessed Mother and our Lord, how delighted they are to hear you. So that's how the Lord loves us to be. The mortification of the passions of our flesh is not enough in and of itself. This desire to mortify our disordered desires is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, awakening in us the desire to grow in holiness, which is good and important, but our hearts still lack pure love. Our desires must be purified in the fire of the sacred heart of Jesus until our desires are one with his. The burning desire for the cross solely for love of God and the salvation of souls. In this one desire, the cross is the perfection of all the virtues, because there is pure love. Jesus Christ, in Luke 12, 49 through 50, speaks of this burning desire. He says, I came to cast fire upon the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am constrained until it is accomplished. He's speaking about his death on the cross, his total oblation, the fire. Let me give you another example of this purification of desire. I have spoken now for many years, and I've heard many of you share with me how God at times to some in the community has moved them close to their parents. And I've been amazed as I have had the honor of walking with certain souls that this has happened, where God has placed them close to their family who they have a really difficult time loving. Mothers and fathers that are really difficult to get along with. And I was speaking to someone recently and she was saying, I know why the Lord has moved me here. Because I need to grow, to learn, 
to be able to love my parents. So we started to 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 talk about this. And the truth is that there are souls in our lives, in our families that are really, really, really difficult to get along with. Why? Because they are so broken. They are so wounded. They are so oppressed. And so what happens, they live in anger, in hatred, in hardness of heart, in harshness, in yelling, in criticizing, in manipulation is a biggie, in dysfunctional families. And therefore, to be close to that is very difficult for anyone. And yet, the Lord has to purify our desires. The Lord has to purify us. This is a growth in poverty. We have to be emptied, emptied of resentment, emptied of anger, emptied of expectations of those we love. And what does it mean to desire solely the cross? It means that I love my dysfunctional mother and father, husband or wife, child, grandmother, grandfather, on and on, so much that I am willing to receive their disorders, their oppressions, and suffer it in Christ solely for the salvation of their souls. I said, do you realize, my sister, that God maybe moved you close to your parents? so that you can aid in the salvation of their souls. And this doesn't mean you have to live close by. You can live in different states. They're still your parents. You still have to deal with them. And to love does not mean you become the floor mat. To love and to desire the cross also means that you know how to set boundaries, that with respect and honor, you can say no. You see, the Lord was all love, and yet he could confront the darkness, the oppression in the Pharisees with the truth. That is love. In the reflection the second reflection of our recent retreat of 2020, we spoke about desires. And in chapter four of our path, number 63 on page 187, it says, the purification of your desires is the first stage of purification in my sacred heart. You begin to move only according to my desires and not yours. You see, this is completely, completely associated with growth in the virtue of poverty. You no longer do what you want to do. I might want to buy an extra pair of shoes. That might be a desire of the flesh. 
And yet I know that is not the will of the Lord. So I am willing to deny myself to live in his will. That is why in the path that I, I begin to understand that the Lord is bringing us deeper into the virtue of poverty because it's totally connected in chapter four with the purification of the first nail of our desires. They go hand in hand, my community. But now you go only where I take you. You choose to live each day according to what is most difficult, not what is easiest. This will require a greater discipline of your will, greater silence and stillness of soul in me. So I'm going to stop here and we'll continue on desires next week. But I'm going to, to leave you an assignment for reflection for the beginning of Lent. Write down on as honest as you possibly can what your desires of your heart are. Meditate on chapter 12 of Luke. Every day, meditate slowly on that chapter, going deep into the virtue of poverty and use our examination of conscience of love to begin to prepare your hearts in Lent. The, the examination of of love, of love crucified, you can find in our website under the heading of community, you'll see prayers. And when you enter prayers, there you'll look for examination of conscience on love. It is a powerful examination of conscience. And recently I was spending some time with Hector and Yvette. And Hector told me, this is so powerful. I came across one question in our examination of conscience. And the Lord has had me in that question for weeks. So I think this is a beautiful, beautiful preparation for all of us as we enter Lent. So with that, um, I leave you and I bless you in this Feast of Our Lady of Lords, and I embrace you all with my love. Amen. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified Community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you. Amen.